For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger For the ones who get it done. Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Welcome to episode 22 of This Is Our Effing Podcast, a Red Sox show. And in this case, a Red Sox wild card preview show. The Red Sox ready to take on the New York Yankees Tuesday night in the American League wild card game for the right to go on and move on to play the Tampa Bay Rays in the American League Division Series. That would get underway on Thursday, but for now, Steve Lyons, all eyes are on Fenway for Tuesday night and a, uh, a matchup that we haven't seen in this format anyway for 43 years, going back to the famed 78 playoff game at Fenway. That brings back um, uh, bad memories for Red Sox fans of a certain age. Um, this is a, a, a different entity, of course, but um, let's talk first about how the Red Sox got here the hard way, I guess, uh, by uh, not playing particularly well over the last 10 days, getting swept by the Yankees, losing two out of three to Baltimore, and then having to sweep the Nationals to get into the wild card game. Um, quite a finish to the season in a, in a year that was all over the place. It, it, uh, it seemed like it was that way in the final three games, too. Yeah, it makes perfect sense, doesn't it? I mean, I think we're all happy that uh, we're having this scenario instead of Red Sox making tea times on Tuesday. I, I think there's a number of Red Sox fans and fans across the country that would say, oh, the Red Sox, they, they backed into the playoffs. But that's not the way I look at it at all. I mean, they did not play well over the last 10 games. You know, and now they have to face the Yankees again where they got swept at home and then played poorly against uh, a, a terrible Baltimore team. But at the end of the day, when you threw three games in front of them that they had to win, they went out and won them. And, and, and that is, you know, that should be the scenario that everyone's looking at. That should be what's the taste in your mouth that's left is that they went out and won games. And, you know, you and I talked, uh, I think, last week about who we thought our our MVP was your guy, Valdi's making the start in this game, and he's been a Yankee killer up until his last start against them. And then my guy, Devers, really came through with a, you know, three home runs over the weekend against uh, a team when they needed some offense because there really wasn't a lot of offense at time, and he provided it. Yeah, I, I jokingly said on Twitter on Sunday that the, uh, the part of 1967 Yaz will this weekend be played by Raphael Devers because uh, Carl Yastrzemski won the Triple Crown in 67 and famously went seven for eight in the final two games of that season to push the Red Sox to the pennant. Of course, back then there was no playoff set up. Uh, Devers didn't quite do that. He only had five hits, but three of them were for homers and he knocked in five runs in the final two games. And there's no question that he was the driving force Sunday with 
um, with a solo homer earlier and then a two-run homer in the ninth to break the 5-5 tie and put them up. Quite a performance. Uh, and maybe I'm coming around to your Raphael Devers for MVP, at least on the Red Sox, uh, where that's concerned. Um, but let, let's uh, – well, one other thing. Um, I, I guess the, the glass half-empty, half-full scenario – um, as regards the final weekend, I would say this, while it's troubling that the Red Sox had to work so hard to beat a bad Washington team with nothing to play for for three games, maybe it's not the worst thing that they were in very tight, close, hot, intense games, getting them ready for the postseason. Yeah, I mean, they've been playing playoff games already, uh, you know, for for this, like we talked about, the last 10 games, they were playing for their playoff lives, and they didn't play particularly well early on in that, but when their back was completely against the wall, they did enough to win, and yeah, you can say it was the Washington Nationals, which wasn't a good team, but you still have to go out and win games, and that's what they did, and playing in those type of games, I think, you know, keeps that atmosphere going for you when you literally are in the playoffs. And now Tuesday night is a, a play-in playoff game against a team that you hate, against a team that you haven't played particularly well against in the second half, and against a team that 43 years ago earned Bucky Dent an, a, a middle name that we currently use in our own podcast. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. Maybe, maybe he'll sue us for copyright infringement. I actually... <laughs> spoke to, I, I spoke to Bucky earlier today, and he was uh, in all his glory looking forward to this because, of course, anytime the Red Sox and Yankees meet with everything on the line, uh, people reach out and talk to him, and he was fun to talk to. But Is um, he going to come in for the game? He, he, is, he was efforting to do so. His agent was trying to line something up. I'm sure ESPN would be only too happy to have him for a live shot uh, leading up to the game and – uh, that that will be quite the circus if uh, Bucky shows up with a credential or even just watching the game in the seats. I'm sure people will find him and the camera will find him too. Um, yeah. Some some keys for this game. And, and you know, the, the, the thing that sticks out to me is, you know, the urgency to this, right? The Red Sox have never played in this wild card game. Even the 78 game, which we reference and everyone uh, around here remembers, was not a playoff game. It was a it was game 163. It was actually considered a regular season game to determine the division winner. That was not a postseason or a playoff game technically. Um, right. This is, and it has the same hallmarks of that. Right. You 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 have nine innings. There's no worrying about guys being available for Thursday or what you're going to do in game one or game two if you move on. You have to treat this game. For what it is, it's winner go home, and seems to me that probably changes things for Alex Cora in terms of how he manages Tuesday night. And it's certainly in his bullpen. I mean, there's only so much he can do as far as his everyday lineup. He's going to put his best lineup out there and let them go out and play the game. But as far as his pitching staff is concerned, every guy on his pitching staff is available. I would not be surprised from either team to see the quote unquote closer in a game situation where it's not a save situation, where it could be earlier in the game, where it could be seventh inning when you're in a little bit of trouble and you need two outs 
you, you know what, wouldn't be surprised to see a closer in that situation. Um, and, and, you know, the bullpen troubles that the Red Sox have had will be lessened, I think, because you have starters that are ready to go and guys that can come out of the pen, as we've seen Alex Cora do in the playoffs before. Yeah, uh, that certainly was a key to that team's success in 2018, uh, having what he called rovers, uh, that is starters on their off day or on their throw day or in between starts, being ready to give an inning or so out of the bullpen. And we even saw that over the weekend in Washington, where you got an inning out of Eduardo Rodriguez on Sunday after he had started the game on Friday night. Uh, you got the ninth inning from Nick Pavetta, who recorded his first save in, uh, I think, three years. Um, so it, it, it's, you know, everyone's got their spikes on and everyone's in play. It'll be interesting to see what they do with the roster, whether they leave some some starting pitchers off the roster for that and, and bulk up on relievers. Um, you know, do, do they incorporate a guy like Jaron Duran maybe for a pinch running situation uh, at, at some point? But, you know, th this is unique, and it's something that the Red Sox have not um, taken part in. Since this got introduced in 2012, the Red Sox have never had to play the wild card game. So this is something that's going to be a little bit of, uh, you know, uncharted territory for everyone. Well, I can guarantee you that they're having some serious meetings about it. And I agree with both of the things that you said, guys that, you know, that they don't think are going to have any opportunity to contribute in a one game playoff won't even be on the roster. Uh, if Duran is your fastest option, which I believe he is on a team that has very little team speed and you may need a Dave Roberts type situation. Uh, the stolen base heard around the world. Uh, you know, I would assume that Duran's on that roster for that game for uh, almost absolutely. Uh, you got to take advantage of any scenario that might come up and you got to make sure that you know that, hey, this guy in no situation is going to be in the ballgame for us. So, he, he, you know, you leave that guy off the roster. I'm not sure who that, that person may be, but I can guarantee you Alex Cora and Bloom and, you know, the entire brain trust of the organization has sat around and thought of every possibility and have come up with the team that they like the best for one game. Yeah, it's a different animal, and it's one that, um, you know, they, they haven't encountered before. So I'm sure that will uh, engender a lot of debate about who to have available. And, you know, there may be some surprises, guys that uh, have been contributors all year that might not fit into the game plan for one game. They're, they're, you would expect that they would be right back and available in the division series if you're playing a five-game series starting Thursday. But you got to get there first, and that requires a little bit of creativity. I also think it's important to, uh, you know, um, I would say two things here, Steve, given that, you know, that this is an unforgiving uh, situation with nine innings and, and you have to uh, have everything go right for you. They've got to clean up fundamentally. That's been something that has dogged them for a good part of the season. And they've got to keep the ball in the ballpark. We saw the Yankees take batting practice on Kenmore Square um, you know, the last time they were in with tape measure home runs from Judge and Stanton. Stanton, in fact, homered in all three of the games in that last series. So two keys there, keep the ball in the ballpark and don't either be giving away outs or making mistakes on the bases. We saw both of those things almost croak them over the weekend. 
Yeah. And Stanton is, you know, kind of the wild card there. Cause you know, I know he's had decent numbers, but overall, you know, since his time in a Yankee uniform, he's been sort of a non-factor against the Red Sox, a guy that had not really done a lot of damage until that last weekend stand there where he just crushed the ball. He's not a guy that you need to have hurting you when you know Judge is also in the lineup. So, you know, more weapons that they have that they can throw at you. I know DJ LeMahieu will not be in the lineup uh, for the Yankees with his injury issue. Um, and then, you know, we, when you start looking at uh, the team on, overall, when you have to start looking at the starters, that's a big story, too. Yeah, you've got uh, Avaldi, who thankfully from the Red Sox standpoint is a guy who has done a very good job in keeping the ball in the ballpark. He allowed 15 homers over 182 and a third innings this past year. That translates to 0.7 home runs per nine innings. That was one of the lowest figures of any qualified American League pitcher. So that's a good thing. He doesn't often make mistakes where ball gets hit 400 feet and that'll be important it'll also be important i think to you know to play smart now that that would seem to be a, a foregone conclusion in october you don't want to give the other team extra outs you don't want to give away outs and yet i think about you know alex verdugo taking too big a turn at first base on sunday and getting picked off when the team was trying to catch up now he later came through with a two-run double that more than made up for that. But that's an example of the, the poor fundamentals, uh, you know, not running out a bunt as Rodriguez did on Friday that turned into a double play, the careless base running by Verdugo, the, the sloppy plays, the bad uh, mistakes on the bases. All of that has got to get cleaned up when every out counts. Yeah, all season long. I mean, when you're talking about playing another 15 ball games, possibly, or something somewhere in that area, you know, you have to play your best baseball. And we've seen uh, the fundamental issues come up that have hurt them at times. And then the physical errors that have come up that have hurt them at times, too. And that has got to go away because you can't afford to have games like that and, uh, you know, lose games like that. And you know, I don't know how much of it has been talked about, but to me, that final game win there in Washington, you know, to me had more to do with Alex Cora taking sale out of the game when he took him out of the game. I mean, there's not a lot of managers that go get your best pitcher in that situation. He was yeah, struggling. Doing a, a third bit. innings. Yeah, but in, and as soon as he took him out, you get the ground ball double play. I think the MVP for the Red Sox was Alex Cora and Zimmerman. I mean, Zeng Zimmerman bounced into a, you know, had left more guys on base in that game than he did the rest of the season. Um, but yeah, pro probably was, a guy who's um, who's gripping the bat a little too tightly in his final major league game, or what we presume was his final major league game, trying to make something happen and pressing yeah. a little bit. He he did take a four pitch walk from Sale. He was the last guy that Sale faced. And that forced in a run. So Zimmerman got an RBI there. But you're right. It, it looked like a guy trying too hard to make something big happen in his final game. And I think that played into the Red Sox strengths. Yeah, not, not a lot of managers have the guts to go get your best pitcher in that situation and get him out of there thinking that, you know, someone else might have better stuff today or that he might, you know, turn things around. And I can guarantee you on Tuesday at one o'clock, 
when sales shows up at the ballpark, he's going to be going straight into the office saying, I can give you innings today. No question about it. Yeah, that's the one guy I'm not sure about, Steve, because while I think everyone else could be in play, whether it be Rodriguez or Pavetta or, uh, you know, any of the starters that you have um, at this point and, and guys like Hauk, uh, who started Saturday and was so effective with five perfect innings to me, sales, the guy you hold back for Thursday. Um, you know, you, you ordinarily maybe wouldn't think about bringing him back on three days rest there, but because he only threw 61 pitches, uh, I, I think you want to have him fresh for Thursday, but who knows, maybe he can, you know, given that that might be his throw day, uh, maybe he can get a batter, particularly if Josh Taylor isn't available. He's got back issues that he hasn't been able to come back from. And I think that could be key because you've got some, you know, whereas the Yankees were so right-handed in the first half of the season, you know, you name it, LeMayhew, uh, Sanchez, Torres, Judge, Stanton, all right-handed up and down the lineup. Now with, um, you know, with some of the trades they made and Gallo and, and Rizzo being part of the equation and Taylor maybe not available, maybe Sale is a guy, you know, you look to for a matchup for, I mean, it's got to be three batters, although it, it could be less than that if it's the final out of the inning. Maybe Sale is called upon to get a big out late in the game, but just one. Well, very famously, the final out of the 2018 World Series when he struck out Machado yep. went down to one knee and the rest was history for the Red Sox. Yeah, I, I could see that scenario. But you're right. And that's the difference that the Yankees have made at the trading deadline was adding the left-handed pop and just left-handed batters to that lineup because Evaldi was always a Yankee killer, always so effective against that right-handed dominating lineup. And he's just so tough against righties with his slinging kind of motion and the, you know, the, the upper nineties fastball and his breaking pitch and everything else that he has to throw at you. So tough on righties. They've evened out their lineup and it certainly showed the last time they faced Evaldi. He got, he got banged around pretty good. Yeah. And, and, and that'll be interesting to see what sort of adjustments, uh, he makes. Um, I, I also think, you know, we, we don't know as we record this, the availability of J.D. Martinez. And that would obviously be a huge loss for the Red Sox uh, in one of the more bizarre injuries you'll see. I don't know if you saw this, Steve, but Martinez jogging out to right field, playing the outfield over the weekend, of course, in a National League park where there's no D.H. Jogging out to right field in the fourth or fifth inning, he steps on second base and sprains his ankle. I mean, just a bizarre set of circumstances. He played that inning, but when his spot came up the next time in the order, they had to pinch it for him and he was out and they were uncertain about his availability. It could be they have to do without him Tuesday, give him a couple of days rest and hope that he's ready to go for the division series. That's a big bat that you take out of that lineup. Potential. Yeah, and it changes the dynamic of the lineup and, and most and probably changes the lineup period. You're going to see guys in, in positions in the lineup maybe they're not quite as accustomed to. Someone's going to have to move up and move into uh, JD's spot. So you're going to see guys mixing and matching there. Uh, it'll be interesting to see how Alex Gore does that uh, if JD's unable to go. Now, I would assume knowing his personality and his determination that he'll do everything he can to be ready, but it's 
uh, to deter- be determined as of right now to see if he will be. Yeah, and the I mean, other thing, too. Go, go ahead. No, go ahead, Steve. The other thing there, you know, we've, we've talked so much on the Red Sox th- side, but, you know, Garrett Cole hasn't been Garrett Cole over his last five, six, seven starts either. A lot of people are talking that maybe after the short season last year, that is nearly 190 innings are starting to catch up with him, that he's not as fresh, that he's a little bit tired. You well, know, of course, he had the, the strained hamstring at the beginning of September, which may yeah. have played into some of that. But in fact, that start against the Red Sox that he made, uh, where he went, I think, six innings and gave up three runs, not exactly shutdown pitching line, but good enough to get a win in that first game of the series. You know, that was his probably best start in September. Then he goes up and gets hammered in Toronto in the last one. So you, you wonder, I mean, look, there's no question, all things being equal, that's the guy that the Yankees would turn to. But you wonder about their level of confidence in him based on how he's pitched in September and whether that hamstring is completely healed. Well, you know, certainly Aaron Boone is, is paid to put his star players on the field and they are paying Garrett Cole to take the ball in this game. That's the reason why they brought him. Obviously they wanted it to, they want him to continue pitching deep into the postseason. But when you have a must win game was the reason why they brought him and put him in pinstripes. Yeah, I mean, this guy signed the biggest free agent deal ever for a pitcher, 320-something million dollars. Uh, that's the guy they're going to ride or die with on Tuesday night. But the, the fact remains that there's a lot of uncertainty about, you know, what you're going to get from him. He's been a guy that occasionally has pitched well in the, in the postseason in the big games. He did. Uh, last year at times for the Yankees during the shortened season, but he's been inconsistent in some big spots. And uh, that'll be uh, certainly one of the more interesting uh, sidebars of, of Tuesday night's game. Um, we're going to keep this a little shorter than usual, Steve, because who knows, we could be back with a follow-up episode very quickly. Uh, maybe it will be looking ahead to a division series matchup with the Rays. If things don't go quite as well, it could be a wrap-up show on the 2021 season. That's the beauty of a one-game, all-or-nothing, win-or-go-home wildcard game that we're going to have at Fenway on Tuesday night. Uh, Thanks for doing this, Steve. We'll talk to you soon, and we'll see where things stand in a couple days. Sounds great.
Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.